0: He was a friend of my brother, and occasionally I had seen him, but there was never any meeting with him. Then, when my husband died in a car accident, he was, of course, already in Robin Island, so he wrote to my brother to sympathize with my brother for the loss of his sister and his brother-in-law, that is my husband. Now, my brother had already left for Canada, and my mother then said somebody should answer to this person who in his predicament still thinks of writing condolence letters. So it was left to me, a widow, to answer to him. And when I answered, I just at the button, is there anything we can do for you? And after a month or so, a letter came from him, the first one to death, thanking me. And when he replied back, then, of course, it, that just it started the correspondence.
1: Yeah. Tell me about that correspondence that back and forth for over 10 years with this man that was in the struggles, that was in jail at that time, that was branded by many as even a terrorist. How okay. did that friendship develop?
0: Right from the beginning, I knew that prisoners' letters are heavily censored. So whatever I wrote to him, I used a duplicate on a typewriter. I type type-write my letter, but I had a duplicate copy, one which I posted to him and one which I kept. And when his letter came, I would also put it in the correspondence. So I had kept all the letters with me over the years. There were, of course, very many that were heavily censored, but the one that copied with me was not the censored one. Later on, after he was even released, University of KwaZulu-Natal, they wanted to come out with a book on the women's culture group of which I am the founder member. And when they came, they wanted, of course, to interview everybody, see whatever we had. And when they came across my whole file with Ahmed Katrada, Professor Wahid and Professor Wangin, they jumped and said, this has got to be published. So I wrote to Ahmed and I, I phoned him and I said, look... What happens is, of course, give it to them, let them publish it. So we gave it to them and they had it published.
1: So tell me about the first time then that you got to meet Mr. Kathrada in person after having corresponded for 10 years with letters.
0: There was a wedding in Cape Town when he was seven or eight years in jail and I went attended the wedding. And from the wedding, we made the friends in Cape Town had already arranged for me to meet him during that week. So I and my son went to meet him in Robben Island. And when I saw him coming up, I looked at him. You know, all along, I had thought it was a young student. But I, I don't know how in my mind. I just thought of him as a young student that I knew. And here was this big man coming towards me. So I blurted out. I said, oh, my God, there is a big man that I've been corresponding with. And this is the first time that I met him. But it was such a lovely meeting. He was so calm and collected. I was the excited one, but he was gracefully calm, really. And that was the first time I met him. After that, of course, I met him quite a few times, and I've been in good touch with him.
1: Tell me about the letters itself. Were there any letters or any parts of any of the letters that just stuck with you, that struck a chord that you remember even now?
0: Oh, yes, I remember the letters very much because there's things that were in common, of a common interest, like Urdu poetry, all our old writers, the Islamic writers and so on. Of course, you know, he was not very religious, and I can understand his position. So whenever I wrote something about religion, I had to sort of put it very mildly, not for him to think that you no, are trying to push something down his throat. So all that, and he would reply very gracefully. Then, of course, he would want uh, news of his friends here. Now, some of the friends were also under surveillance. So we used the code name. Ismail Mir and Fatima gave me the code name of the different friends. So I would say Abu Hureira said this or that one said this and these were code names and he knew who I was referring to. So all this, you know, it was not being transparent to the senses. You felt great having one across them.
1: For you, what do you think is the lasting legacy of Mr Ahmed Katrada that all generations can take from? This was
0: Somebody who threw out his life from a very young age. He just dedicated himself to the cause. And he really, whatever he served, he served very well and very gracefully. Whoever you he came across with, he would be very gentle with them and yet very forceful. He knew exactly where he stood, and that was very clear. So you couldn't really, in an argument, sort of shift him. And of course, look at his... Katrada Foundation, what wonderful work they're doing now. He is still very much needed.